Welcome to CII Podcasts. Hello everybody, this is Pranjal Sharma and I'll be hosting this episode for you. And today we're going to be talking about a topic uh, on an issue which concerns not just uh, our generation but also future generations. And we're going to be discussing climate action and, and uh, COP26. Uh, 2021 is a crucial year in for us to confront the global climate emergency around the world uh, storms droughts floods and wildfires and extreme weather uh, has been claiming millions of lives and a lot of loss to to our property and finances india is also highly vulnerable to climate change impacts and the country's large population is dependent on climate sensitive sectors for their livelihoods now uh, what should climate action be and you know what should be the top priority for india what what role can indian industry play in, in mainstreaming the climate action and taking ownership and and building a climate resilient future and we're going to have this conversation with the mr tv narendra chief executive officer and managing director of tata steel uh, tv's career in tata steel spans across several areas in india and overseas including marketing and sales international trade supply chain and planning operations and general management and uh, comprises several stints in jamshedpur kolkata dubai and singapore he's also the president of cii and has been associated with the organization for many many years thanks uh, for uh, making time for us today tv thank you my privilege and pleasure tv it's in very interesting that climate change and discussions uh, happen at a government to government level but the action and the responsibility of action falls on the civil society as well as the industry and and therefore uh, it is really the triangle of the civil society industry and the government this troika <clears throat> which has to work together uh, to to begin with how do you see the uh, responsibility divided between these three pillars i think it's uh, something which can only be achieved if all three work together you know because the solution is so complex that uh, it cannot be solved by just one of these stakeholders as you described because there needs to be a policy road map to support this transition this transition is going to be expensive and complex so uh, for instance industry obviously has to bear the cost of transition but cannot bear it fully because often times it's more than the cost uh, or more than the profitability of industry Uh, the cost of transition will exceed the profitability of industry so in some sense customers have to pay more for greener products right and civil society has to understand that it's not going to happen overnight and uh, as you are in fact seeing just now there is also a cost which the common man will have to bear because as you transition from cheaper more polluting fuels to greener more expensive fuels somewhere it's going to hurt everyone because if you look at the gas prices today in europe and places like that one of the reasons why it shot up is uh, everyone is shifting from coal to gas and hopefully to hydrogen at some time in the future so i think uh, this transition is going to be complex we should not underestimate the complexity and the socio economic consequences and that's where the governments civil society and industry have to work together to make it happen as smoothly as possible you know tv two two broad uh, categories within this conversation and the discourse is about affordable low carbon energy and consumer behavior uh, which is you know at a larger space let's let's begin the first piece of uh, creating more options for affordable uh, low carbon energy india has made a lot of strides in the recent years but we are still fairly dependent on fossil fuels uh, how would you assess our achievements so far so that we know where we stand today i think we made tremendous progress you know if you think about it maybe 5 10 years back 
India was not seen as cooperating enough with the global agenda on climate change. I think we've come a long way from there. And I think uh, we've stuck to, stuck to our end of the bargain as far as COP26 is, uh, as far as Paris is concerned, for instance, right? I mean, I think the commitments we made in Paris, we've stuck to it. I think on renewable energy, we made great strides, you know, and uh, if we say we'll be 30 to 35% below 2005 levels, uh, by 2030, we are well on track for that. So I think on many areas, India stuck to its promises, which is fantastic. A lot more needs to be done, but I think good progress uh, has been made. But, you know, I think there are issues that we need to deal with, you know, uh, as you transition away from fossil fuels to renewables, right? Firstly, you need to address the storage problem because there are many, many industries uh, who need, uh, you know, intermittent uh, supply of energy and at very high intensity at different points in time. So unless you solve the storage problem, you're not going to be able to fully uh, substitute fossil fuels with renewable energies. Second thing is the transportation problem. Because fossil fuels have moved across the world, have moved across the country, right? Uh, of course, in India, we've invested hugely in the grid, uh, which will allow us to transport electricity across the country. But if you look at it from a global point of view, one of the challenges is how do you transfer electricity from one country to another or even within countries, right? Because fossil fuels could move more easily and the infrastructure has been built over the last hundred years. So I think there is a lot of this which needs to get sorted out. I, that's why I believe that a lot of the challenge over the next 20, 30 years is going to be in the execution. Uh, it's easier to announce a 2050 goal. It's more difficult to figure out what you'll do in the next five years. And I think that's what industry, governments and civil society need uh, to do. Uh, work together to make a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. Uh, while uh, we do have that, uh, we will have that long-term focus, not at the cost of a short-term plan which needs uh, to be executed. That's a good point, you know, uh, TV, you made about storage because we see situations where while the supply of renew renewable energy has increased, we have issues of right-of-way in the evacuation process. You know, the renewable companies say that we are perishable, so let, let us get, get to the consumer first. While the thermal plants and others say, well, you know, we, we've also been working. So there's this unnecessary uh, conflict which is emerging. And therefore, uh, when we look at low cost, uh, uh, low carbon uh, energy, it also means that there has to be a business case and a model for storage of power. Um, I, do you think that we've made enough efforts on that front and or, or do you think we have to enhance and deepen uh, the drive for it? I think it's a global issue. We don't really have technologically uh, scalable storage solutions which are cheap, right? I mean, uh, there are intermittent solutions. There are different ways you can pump up water into a reservoir and store it there. You know, there are those kind of solutions. But for the scale, I mean, if you look at the amount of energy uh, in India or globally that you still get out of fossil fuels, and if you are to substitute that with renewables, uh, there's a huge challenge around creating the storage infrastructure and, uh, you know, at a cost which is again affordable because ultimately there is a cost to all this, right? And, uh, you know, how do you kind of uh, bear that cost? Because ultimately it has to be shared between industry, the uh, governments and uh, customers. And when the customer is a common man, it becomes even more difficult. When the customer is another industry, if it's a B2B kind of arrangement, it's easier to manage. But when the customer is a consumer or an individual, obviously the socio-economic consequences need to be thought. It's also interesting uh, uh, that uh, there is a lot of um, effort to talk about an opportunity in all this. 
So it's also creating opportunities for Indian business, uh, which I think would be, uh, you know, a win-win for everybody. While you're looking at climate action, you're also creating new industry verticals. So perhaps there is there is uh, a lot of uh, positive sentiment around uh, uh, investing in this sector. Absolutely, because uh, uh, there are lots of growth opportunities. If you look at the renewables energy space itself, there's so much opportunity there, right? Everyone is announcing. Uh, investments there. If you look at green hydrogen and places, things like that, again, huge opportunity. Big groups have made announcements, right? Uh, even if you look at the startup ecosystem, there's a lot of work going on there. And uh, the biggest advantage for developing countries, while developing countries in some sense are facing the challenge of making this transition, the biggest opportunity is you can have cleaner and greener growth. You don't need to leave behind a carbon footprint that the developed world has left behind in their process of development. So you can have a more energy efficient, a cleaner, greener growth, uh, you know, and you can create assets which are cleaner and greener rather than have to change assets uh, after they've been created, which is what is happening in many other parts of the world. So I think there are advantages, there are opportunities, uh, you know, and as uh, finance flows more easily to uh, support these kind of projects, I think, uh, again, uh, uh, that will make it more viable and more exciting. There is, a, you know, a lot of uh, uh, progressive thinking which we see in Indian industry uh, TV and, and, you know, CII's Climate Action uh, Charter is an example of that. Can you take us through that? Uh, charter CII, is, is really sorry. a direction for all members to go ahead. CII has always been uh, at the front end of a lot of this, right? I mean, whether it's Green Building Institute, you know, we have the centers of excellence which have been working on water, which have been working on uh, you know, green buildings, so on and so forth. So we have multiple centers of excellence, which we've been creating over the years. So we've, in some sense, been ahead of the curve as far as uh, understanding the criticality of the subject is concerned. Secondly, more specifically, this year in our theme for the year, sustainability is an important part of the theme, you know. And uh, so we've been talking about it, uh, explaining it to many of our members, because 90% of CIS members are small and medium-sized companies. You know, the big companies, who have a global footprint, particularly if you have a footprint in Europe, you're already exposed to what's happening, right? So you understand what's happening and you're planning for it, uh, even if you have uh, facilities in India or elsewhere where the policy is not uh, as uh, evolved as it is in Europe on the subject. But uh, we are helping to build uh, resilience amongst uh, our members, helping to create awareness, helping to embed it into their business strategy. So there's a lot of work that we're doing with our members on the subject helping them, supporting them. And then we have a number of these initiatives uh, where we're working with them to draw up a climate action roadmap, you know, and uh, help them in that journey. So a lot of work is going on by CII, by our members, and together I think we, we hope we can clearly and surely make a difference. We also think that there needs to be a policy roadmap which evolves to support this journey. Like I said, it's already happening in Europe because uh, so that industry is not disadvantaged uh, because of uh, you know, this transition, because as one of the uh, ministers in Europe uh, told me once, the, I mean, Europe wants to decarbonize without deindustrializing, and that is obviously the objective all of us should have. So how do you decarbonize without deindustrializing? And there, that's where policy support is very important. So we'll be working closely with the government also, so that the policy roadmap supports the uh, transition ambition of the industry. You mentioned uh, the fact that 90% of the membership of CII are uh, SMEs and that's really not just, it's also a reflection of India's industrial landscape. Uh, 
uh, where you know most of the employment in manufacturing uh, as well as uh, the as you mentioned the membership is is small and medium companies now here while the awareness is rising the key issue is of how do you manage that transition to a low carbon uh, footprint you have to change your business practices you have to invest in new technology you have to change and let some of the older machinery uh, and industrial equipment uh, be be phased out so there's a cost on it apart from the effort what are the new models which cii is is looking at in terms of helping uh, companies make this transition because without that sheer awareness may not achieve much sure so that's why awareness is just uh, one leg the second leg is on uh, building that resilience so that they can deal with the changes and the third leg is how do you change your business uh, systems or business uh, model to uh, work towards this so there are multiple things right so firstly you can benchmark uh, with uh, the best practices or best in class so that even with your existing operation you can uh, be far more carbon efficient than you are you know so that is something which itself if you see globally and in india 20 to 30% uh, improvement you can bring about by just doing that right the second part is india is a growth market so constantly you're creating new facilities and if you plan this into your design then you create facilities which are far more carbon efficient and that puts you at an advantage for the future because increasingly geographies are going to have carbon border adjustment mechanisms just like uh, europe has already announced right so your carbon footprint is going to cost you in terms of some sort of tariff into countries which already have a carbon cost you know or a carbon price right so if you're carbon efficient that helps your competitiveness right so your choice of technology etc thirdly by bringing in uh, you know uh, using our centers of excellence uh, which we have which have expert knowledge on different areas whether it's your water footprint or you know your energy efficiency or whatever there are different areas where we can help as yeah we are doing that and the fourth thing and i think which is all linked is as we also embrace technology digital technologies again your ability to drive efficiency to a different level uh, is enhanced and again here tii does a lot of work with industry on uh, helping them in this digital transformation journey particularly the smaller companies and that again is uh, a lever you can use as you uh, build a more carbon efficient future so there are multiple areas where we are working it's not a one size fits all different solutions for different sectors and different solutions for different companies you know tv tata steel and the group has always been very conscious about its impact on society and the environment uh, since its founding and you know so you've always set a benchmark for the rest of the industry um, are there models and and examples or learnings which can be applied to the larger industry in india which which you think in your own personal experience as well as a business leader Uh, that we need to explore which which is really the question is really that is there is there a indian model for sustainability that we need to explore rather than just trying to adopt what the you know europeans or the americans are doing so obviously one needs to like i said drive efficiency uh, and given the rising energy costs in some sense driving efficiency as a roi anyways you know uh, driving energy efficiency etc so there is a lot of stuff that you can do around that which is very local uh, you know and it's very contextual right the second thing is uh, which is more something that we borrowed from uh, what we do in europe but i think it is relevant for india is also to have an internal carbon price you know because uh, in europe there is a carbon 
price uh, out there, which is about 63 euros a ton. So in India, what we started doing is evaluating all our investment proposals with a shadow carbon price. And when you use that, you will automatically gravitate towards the uh, more carbon efficient solutions for the future. And I think it's important to do that because, like I said, we're creating new facilities and new assets in the private sector in India. You know, as we grow, all of us are in segments which are growing. So it's important uh, to plan for those assets, uh, keeping in mind the policy uh, evolution which will happen over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, rather than today's policy and today's situation. So I think these solutions in India can be local, can be contextual to India, while at the same time borrowing from good practices overseas, which will be relevant for India in the future, if not today. Kiwi, would you like to share any, you know, uh, examples or models of what has really worked in India and, you know, it's worth emulating? So, uh, again, if I look at, uh, you know, uh, if I say from a Tata Steel context, right, there are multiple things uh, that we're doing. For instance, uh, we're doing a lot of work on, uh, you know, how can we, uh, you know, uh, pick up a lot of the waste heat, which is there in a steel plant, you know, and this is something which is typical in manufacturing. There's a lot of waste heat because the temperatures are high at some point in time in the process and low at some point in time in the process. And the difference just goes out there, you know. So if you can capture that and use that, that itself is something which any manufacturing facility will see that there's money on the table which is being left behind. Secondly, the choice of raw materials. You know, I think uh, if you, uh, in our industry, for instance, the kind of coals that you buy has a big impact on your carbon footprint, right? the amount of scrap that you charge into the process has a big impact on the carbon footprint, right? So you could look at the raw materials that you use, depending on what kind of industry you are, to look at the carbon footprint. Third is electrification. How much can you electrify? You know, because there are a lot of processes or activities in a manufacturing facility which you can electrify, including transportation. For instance, we have, uh, while electric electrification of uh, commercial vehicles, is not easy simply because long distance, uh, uh, you know, does not, it doesn't kind of work well for long distance commercial vehicles. But we do a lot of movement uh, short distance. So we have already uh, using uh, vehicles which are electrified for uh, deliveries of, you know, if it is within 20, 30 kilometers, uh, we do that. And we do millions of tons that way, right? So there are opportunities uh, like that as well. So when you look at your scope one, scope two, scope three, look at your supply chain, Look at the opportunities there. I think you will find a lot of opportunities. It's not about trying to solve all the problems, uh, you know, in a short period of time. But if you solve some of the problems every year, eventually you will get there. You know, so I think everyone has to make a beginning. And uh, CII can really help to a diagnostic and help companies uh, say that, hey, this should be your plan. This should be a climate action plan. And this is the roadmap that you can, uh, we can help you create. And then you uh, move on the direction. You know, you mentioned a fantastic point, which I was going to ask, and then you mentioned it anyway about transportation, because one very important footprint of carbon is uh, the entire value chain and logistics. And I've been in conversation with some of these global CEOs where, where they're looking at CNG uh, container ships. Uh, so some of the uh, European and American uh, shipping companies are now using the CNG uh, uh, based ships. Uh, which which brings to mind the fact that even within the country um, in India, uh, there needs to be a look at the value chain from a climate uh, action and a, and a, a low carbon footprint perspective. Uh, are they very are the initiatives on that front as well, Tim? Yeah, 
so again uh, when you look at uh, movement right you look at movement of people and you can really ask yourself how much of that movement uh, uh, if it's uh, you know diesel or petrol cars how much can you substitute with electric vehicles right of course the larger question is what is the source of energy and if that source of energy is thermal then you're not fully solving the problem but as the indian source of energy shifts more and more to renewables uh, you know that problem also gets addressed the secondly uh, movement of people in buses you know already in bombay etc a lot of the buses are electrified right so you can uh, actually do that and the third is movement of goods again here firstly to really ask yourself what is the most efficient way you can move the goods and thanks to gst and things like that you can uh, design a far more efficient supply chain today than you could pre gst you know when you had local stockyards and billing facilities and things like that right so you can have efficient movement and then how do you move those goods so between cities you could move through rail which is far more carbon efficient than uh, moving through vehicles and uh, the last mile can be delivered to uh, you know electrified trucks so there are multiple ways you can look at your supply chain and uh, you know have a more carbon efficient solution even with today's options right and these options are only going to increase as technology catches up with uh, many other things maybe 10 20 years later you'll have fuel cells and hydrogen driven fuel cells and trucks so that long distance movement by trucks can also be green and finally tv a subject i know which is important for you is is domestic innovation and r&d on this front Uh, and i think uh, both uh, tata steel tata group as well as cii there is a lot of interest to create solutions for india in india um any any thoughts on that certainly and that's where i think we need to plug into the startup ecosystem there are a lot of uh, clever people out there finding solutions uh, you know and uh, we should leverage that i mean that again cii is reaching out quite a bit to startups while the consumer facing startups are more visible there are a lot of startups working on uh, material science on technology on energy efficiency so one just needs to tap into that ecosystem and uh, you know uh, find carbon efficient solutions we recently used a startup which is today started by uh, two uh, graduates of iit karagpur who passed out 10 years back who are now based in london but have a startup which is uh, basically helping us uh, do work in the steel plant you know they are separating the blast furnace gas and uh, we are capturing the blast furnace gas which is where the carbon comes out in a steel plant and separating out the co2 which we can use uh, within the plant and uh, the hydrogen also which we can use in the plant so so you know and this is a startup uh, which is based out of london called clean energy i think it is called clean energy and uh, they are doing work they've already done two projects in india including uh, the one that uh, they're doing in jamshedpur so very exciting work is going on and they've got funding from a lot of uh, global companies so there are these kind of startups and there are many out there who i think larger industry big industry needs to find support help them scale up their ideas and uh, make them a part of the solution yeah that's wonderful to know i, th- I think this collaboration we we spoke about civil society industry and government but i think the collaboration you're referring to is also about innovators in among the startups legacy companies Uh, and the government so i think which which gives us a sense of a lot of optimism uh, it there are several challenges but i guess uh, I, would you say that you are you are more optimistic uh, than than uh, pessimistic on uh, how india is uh, going ahead on all these fronts i am optimistic that we will find solutions i think i am uh, concerned that 
and not just India. I think generally, globally, we are excited about the destination, but I think we need to really think through the execution because there's a lot of complexity in that. You know, uh, like I said, let's not underestimate the socio-economic consequences of this. Absolutely, we thank you so much for taking time for this conversation, and uh, I hope that uh, with the caution that you are talking about, we will be able to move ahead with a lot of uh, resolve. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to CII podcasts.